Welcome back to Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders making the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall. What were you looking for the last time you were on a website? And how did you find it? Did you go through the navigation menu or were you invited to a conversation down in the lower right corner of your screen? You see, that corner is where a little bit of internet magic happens and it's becoming more prevalent and having a great impact in healthcare. It's where you can get the information and answers you need just by typing in a few simple words or a question. And I'm sure it won't surprise you to hear that that probably was not really someone named Alex at the call center who was responding to your requests. It was probably AI. And that little chatbot can be repeated millions and billions of times to provide more natural and human interactions and benefits to both the users and the organization that deployed it. To learn more about this technology and how it's being applied in healthcare, I invited Dr. John Reeves to come share some insights. Dr. Reeves is a global expert in the application of conversational AI in healthcare. He has over 25 years of experience as an engineer, primary care physician, and entrepreneur. He's the CEO and founder of Conversation Health, which is transforming how life sciences companies engage their patients and healthcare professionals through virtual conversations. Conversation Health has developed a pharma-specific software-as-a-service platform that empowers human-like experiences across text, voice, and digital human channels, and he's here to discuss some top tips about what companies should be thinking about when it comes to developing a chatbot solution of their own. In fact, John and his team put together a download that's available to help guide the process. And I just want to remind you that, as always, the download and links to everything we discuss can be found in the show notes of your podcast player, as well as our website at digitalhealthtoday.com slash podcasts. You can also find everything at our second home on Health Podcast Network on healthpodcastnetwork.com. If you head over there, you can find hundreds of great episodes from outstanding podcasts from all across healthcare. Be sure to check that out. All right, so let's go ahead and get things started. John, thanks very much for joining me and welcome to the program. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. John, we've had other guests come on and talk about artificial intelligence and augmented intelligence, but today I really want to focus around conversational AI. I always like to make sure that we're all on the same page, that we're starting with a common foundation. So can we just start off by first of all talking about what exactly is conversational AI? So I think at its most basic level, it's really just a kind of a, a new and expanding set of technologies uh, that allow computers to understand and process voice or text inputs. So the ability of technology to understand what we're saying or what we're texting, and then to respond to that in a very natural way. So a common example I would always give is, you know, we're all uh, familiar because we do this constantly during the daytime. We're texting our friends. What if you had the ability to text a brand or a company, and then have it respond to you in a natural way as well, like as if it were a human. So if this is done well, uh, we can interact with brands or, or companies in ways that are far faster, far easier, and allow that brand or a company to interact with us in a very personalized way that can actually be delivered at scale. So really, that's the foundation of what conversational AI is. And what are some of the terms that we need to understand as we're going to have this conversation? One term that I use a lot is chatbot. Does that sort of capture it or is there more to it than a chatbot? 
Yeah, I mean, there's lots of different words you'll hear out there. So it could be a call to, uh, and often these are based upon where you're actually connecting in with this or or touching this conversational experience. So it could be a, a chatbot, but often people refer to it as a, a web chat if it's on a website or a messaging chat if it's on a, an app. Uh, it could be a voice a conversational uh, bot that you're experiencing through a voice device. It could be a digital human. All of these different touch points are tapping into that same conversational AI technology uh, capability. So where does conversational AI fit into the overall evolution of digital technologies? Yeah. Okay. So that, that's a great question. And for me, as a, having been here since 1995, playing in the digital space, I should say that, you know, having started my medical practice in 1994, uh, I started my first uh, business in this technology, uh, digital space in 95. And that horizon, the first one was the web horizon, right? Then we moved into the, the social horizon after that. And starting kind of like in 2017, we started moving this third horizon that I would call the conversational AI horizon. And the difference being that in those first two horizons, as marketers and communicators, we were building these really complex technology solutions that required our customers to come in. And every time they'd have to learn a new information architecture, they'd have to try and navigate through to find something. This is the, the time or the, the horizons, which I would call the search-based horizons, right? We'd go somewhere and we'd have to search and that was a lot of friction involved. And ultimately, even when you found that, that piece of content, you'd have to go searching through it to find that actual, it's called a nugget of information that you were searching for. Conversational AI is a complete tipping point in that. Now we've turned it the other way, right? We're, we're using text and voice, these human uh, interaction models that we all know about and use constantly. We all talk and we all text. There's nothing new to learn. So any of those uh, chatbot or web chat or any of those solutions that we're creating are so intuitive to the user that there's absolutely no friction in onboarding them to that experience. So literally, let's call it the, the third horizon of digital. And I think all the data that's coming out is showing that this, this horizon, because of the inherent capabilities of conversational AI to be very personalized and to make it on demand and snackable and uh, you know all these wonderful attributes of this back and forth conversation that you can have makes it. Uh, I think the most powerful horizon of digital that we, we have. Well, let's talk about some use cases. I want to get practical here. So before we talk about what's happening now in May of 2020, let's flash back to a whole different world, which was only three months ago before the COVID-19 pandemic. So what are some of the ways that conversational AI was being used way back then in that different world that we were working in uh, at the beginning of 2020? I think I always uh, try to create a bit of a framework so that our, uh, you know, our pharma clients or our healthcare clients can understand where they can tap in and leverage conversational AI. I think there are kind of three main buckets I look at. The first is, which is, and this first one is just kind of, uh, you know, automatic. People get this one right away. And literally, because conversational AI allows technology to behave like a human, you can see how you can take any existing human touch point, face-to-face touch point, such as a, a nurse educator talking to a patient at a call center or an MSL talking to a physician at a call center or a sales rep in market talking to a physician in a physical uh, session, all of these human face-to-face -to -face touch points uh, can be virtualized. So that's number one bucket, taking all your kind of human-to-human -human interactions and virtualizing those. The second is taking your digital touch points and conversationalizing those. So what does that mean? It's taking your websites, it's taking your e-details. It's like any artifact that you have in the digital space, which is, let's call that a flat digital experience that isn't human and isn't conversational. You can actually turn that into a 
conversational experience. And in all of those cases, as I mentioned earlier, you're not then going to ask your customer to go to going searching through your digital assets to find what they want. You're saying to them, simply ask, and I will deliver that through a conversational experience. So that's the second one, conversationalizing digital touch points. And the third one, of course, is, is super exciting because it's a brand new opportunity for, uh, for the industry is to create brand new conversational voice experiences. That did not exist, you know, two, three years ago. But now you have the ability to deploy a voice experience, you know, to your customers. A classic example of that is, is putting a voice device into a physician's office, not in the exam room, but into his office. And literally saying to him, you know, whenever you want, you can ask a question of the brand or the company and it will give you a response. And so in a multitasking environment as a physician, you know, this is kind of like a, a bit of a whole new world for us to have pharma act as a true ally to us or colleague to us. So literally, it's like having a sales rep sitting in your office 24-7. Don't think of that in a negative way because they're not really there. But, you know, the ability to call them into your office from the hallway 24-7 to answer any question you might have is a pretty powerful model. We've seen a lot of change in the few months that the COVID-19 pandemic has been going on. Have you guys seen a, a change in or a step change in the interest in creating these sorts of tools as sales reps can't go out and see clients, clients can't have people into their offices, patients can't go in to see their doctors, providers have fewer resources and humans there to answer phones and field phone calls. So what's been the impact and what are some of the solutions that you've seen that have come out of this COVID-19 pandemic? Well, I think you've absolutely nailed it right there, which is uh, COVID has, uh, you know, the implication of that is the complete and dramatic drop-off of face-to-face -face interactions, right? So you look at it from a physician-patient side, you know, my physician colleagues, many of them now have moved over to telehealth, right? If you'd asked them three months ago, what do you think about telehealth? Will it work for you? Will it, you know, will you be able to manage uh, patients and run a practice? They would have been skeptical. Now they realize they can do that and it's very effective. It doesn't do everything. They still need to see certain patients at certain points in their journey, but managing patients, much of that can be done or a certain proportion of that can be done through telehealth. On the sales rep side, a complete drop off in the ability of sales reps to meet live with their physicians. So when you talk about, you know, the ability of conversational AI to virtualize, you know, these these face to face touch points now is this massive opportunity for it to come in and support or complement or replicate the sales rep physician experience to support and complement the physical physician-patient relationship. So there's an opportunity now for pharma to leverage this new uh, kind of conversational AI horizon or technologies to fill those, those gaps. And, you know, just this morning, I think we started to hear of, of examples of, you know, large multinational companies saying, you know, the future coming out of COVID is not one of going back to where we were, but, but to have a new normal, which is shockingly different. It's not an evolution. It is a complete revolution in the way we're going to work. So companies saying, we will not go back to physical offices. Physicians will not go back to being always, you know, five days a week in the office. They will transform the way they work. And the question I think right now uh, for pharma is what will they do? Will they go back to a model which was inherently decreasing its value over time to revolutionize themselves, to realize that, you know what, we can drive and be, you know, potentially even more successful in, in our business if we move to a new virtual model that really says that we understand that our customers still want to interact with us. Physicians have been very clear. They want to interact and work with pharma, to learn from pharma, to be informed by pharma, to deliver better clinical experience with pharma. 
and they want that. The question is, how do they get it now? And I think doctors, you know, are very clear that they, they want to be able to pull that. They want to be able to, to access that on demand. And so that's the critical moment we have now is how do we make this information available to physicians on demand and as much as possible replicate that human to human experience. It's not just about being a human in the room, but it's that ability to go back and forth and get to the right information that you want and, and have that need resolved. Like I don't know something, resolve that. And then of course, then the opportunity is on pharma or the brand to now explore things that the physician didn't know that they didn't know to make him a better doctor. And the same goes for patients as well. Patients are not going to get the same amount of face time with their doctors. Can pharma now step in to help manage their patients in complement to the physician experience? You were talking there about the human experience and trying to virtualize and digitize the, the human experience. And it would seem to me that as you're building a conversational AI tool, that there's just an infinite number of questions and iterations of, about that conversation between a physician and his or her patient. So tell me about the process. How does an organization that's listening to this podcast, how do they go about anticipating and developing the various directions that a conversation could go in one of those interactions? So you, I think you're absolutely right. There's a million different ways that, that for example, a patient will ask a question uh, about their diabetes and their treatment, as an example. But if you start to group them down, you find out that there are roughly around, let's say, 200, uh, you know, ultimate conversations that resolve about, you know, 80%, 90% of those inbound utterances. And so that, that's a really interesting journey to get to that point to understanding what those 200 inbound queries are. And just some basic things that you would, you know, logically do is you would look at your call centers and see the kind of questions that are being asked of them. Uh, you know, you can talk to your physicians. What are the kind of questions they typically get? You can look at Google search and understand the queries that are coming in from patients there. You can do primary research. Um, you know, there's just so much you can do to start to, to, to get to the starting point of what is that portfolio of conversations. And then, of course, what happens after that, after you launch a bot? you start to see the kinds of questions that your patients and your physicians will ask you in a very low friction environment where there is absolutely no judgment or embarrassment or stigma around what you ask. And you start to see that, you know, physicians will ask you sometimes very simple questions if they have a channel for that. And sometimes those are just questions that you know the doctor is just trying to get confirmation around a dose or very simple things, things they would never have asked you before, but now they can because there's no fear of judgment that they're asking a question that might uh, indicate that they don't know what they should know. On the patient side, the questions that you get are shockingly different because now they can ask questions they would never have asked a friend or a family member or a physician ever because many of the questions that patients have on their minds are embarrassing or stigmatized or judgmental in nature, they would feel. And so they wouldn't even ask a doctor these questions. Now they have a channel that they can ask a question about, you know, about these emotional topics, for example, and have answers and engage at that. So, you know, you start to see the, this re great research about the additional conversations. And all of these, of course, then get added into the portfolio as required. So you start to see the frequency of each one of these uh, questions that come in. Now, we've used chatbots, and I'm sure people have seen as they're using them that sometimes it asks for an answer where you could just put in open text, and sometimes it gives you a menu of choices. Are there different what, – what's the thought process between the sort of different designs and, and options of the way a chatbot is put together? 
So I think that that's something that's uh, not too many people really kind of are exploring now, or it's not top of mind, because for many of us, we think about chatbots as, oh, it's something that I should be able to go to and ask a question and get an answer. So that's that's a great use case. We'll call it an open text use case. And that's great when you need to be there to resolve the question uh, or, or any question that a customer may have. So if you're going to create a, a bot that's a uh, you know, for example, it's a diabetes bot for a patient. It's there to answer any question about the product or the condition. You've got to have a pretty mature bot. It's going to have a lot of conversations that have been designed and that are available. You have to have a very strong NLP engine to understand the utterances. So the cost of entry to that type of an open text solution is very high. If you launch that type of solution and you don't have, you know, the work done, it's not going to look good to the user. They're going to be disappointed because more often than not, it's not going to have a conversational response to the question that goes in. So, you know, there's a cost of entry to get into that. And that's a great solution when you want to be there to answer any question that a customer has 24-7 on demand. And there are great use cases for that. That's the way oftentimes physicians will be uh, engaging with a bot. They're not going in to be taken through something to be educated. They're going in to have a question answered because it's during their clinical day. They need an answer to move forward uh, in, the cl in that clinical experience. Button-driven experiences are different, right? Because you can remove in many ways that NLP requirement because when the user starts to engage in a button-driven experience, let's say, for example, it's on a, on a website, they'll go, the bot can, you know, interact with them and start the conversation. And as it starts the conversation, it presents buttons that allow the user to then click and move forward and forward and forward in that conversation. That experience can feel very human-like but it's not driven by the patient initially or by the doctor initially. So it's a great model if you want to keep costs down uh, and if you want to take a, a user through a particular journey on that experience, right? So they land on a brand site, you may want to take them through four or five or six different topics. That's a great way to, uh, to take them through it. So it's not that one is right or one is wrong. It's all about what the objective is of that bot and making sure that you meet the needs of the user. Now, of course, part of uh, you know uh, driving a great user experience is setting up the expectation with the user up front. This is what our bot does. This is what our bot doesn't do. And last but not least, let's also remember that in between those two is a combination of the two. So you can be involved in an open text bot where it will respond to your question, provide you with a great response. And then the bot can then start to take you down another conversational experience, right? So after it's responded through a poll experience, it now moves to push, right? And so now you can look at what's the next best action. What's the next best conversation for that customer? And that's, you know, where you can also apply another AI layer, which is predicting that after answering this, where can I take the patient or the doctor to the next conversational experience? And so that's a very powerful part of what bots can do. We can't talk about technology in healthcare without addressing or asking questions around the regulatory environment. So what is the regulatory environment for chatbots and are there differences around that in terms of the way they're deployed in the U.S. compared to other parts like Canada where you are or across Europe? So yes, that's that's a that we'll always have that that uh, that conversation with all of our projects, all of our customers. I think that's something that we uh, need to keep in context. In that, of course, every market has a different regulatory uh, requirement. You know, obviously, Europe, U.S. different in terms of consumer, patient, physician communication. What are the privacy challenges? What are the uh, 
uh, eligibility uh, requirements. You know, how do we validate that this is a physician? So all of those things are, are different, um, but chatbots can respond and meet those needs uh, you know, uh, without any difficulty. So that's not a challenge uh, for a bot. I think that the key question, of course, is that, you know, is that conversational experience also within an MLR uh, safe environment? And the answer is absolutely yes. And there are two reasons and, uh, that are very powerful. One is that any conversation is based on, you know, existing assets or content that pharma has already invested in. And so, you know, significant sums of money have been invested in creating great content. Now we're simply going to take that content and we're going to conversationalize it and make it far more engaging. That original content has already been through MLR. It's been approved and now we're conversationalizing. And once that conversation has been created, it is locked. Right. So you can control that actual experience that your customer is having. So whereas you might not be able to control the rep experience or, you know, the MLR conversation in a chatbot, it is set. It is, you know, the best conversation you want and is always consistently aligned to what's current and accurate. So um, this is not uh, something that I would say uh, should be a barrier in any way, shape or form. All of these things have been addressed. Uh, they're built into, you know, uh, a typical conversational platform would have that. Our platform, of course, has been specialized for all of these challenges of pharma. So it's kind of like baked into the system. So not something to be worried about. So once you've done this, once you've created this sort of infrastructure and this logic and this AI to be able to, to predict and respond in the appropriate way, is it easy then to port that into a voice-driven conversation? Is, if you were to be given a project around voice, would you basically follow the same process that you would follow to develop a text-driven solution? So first off, you're absolutely right that once a, once a conversation has been designed and put into the system, uh, in this case, our, our platform, it can be deployed through any conversational touchpoint. We talked about those earlier on. Can it be pushed through a web chat? Yes. Can it go through a conversational ad? Yes. Uh, can it go through a messaging app? Yes. So all of these text uh, conversations can be deployed through text-based touchpoints. The, when you start to move to voice, you start to look at, well, you know, the, the intents and the utterances may be the same, the questions going in, the responses do have to be version from the text, uh, the text model, right? Because obviously in voice, you don't have images, you don't have, you know, text components, you don't have buttons that allow you to navigate. So the experience is actually uh, quite different. And so that, you know, ensures that as you build a voice solution, you actually have to have conversational architects who understand the complexity or the limitations of voice and build for that. So, you know, the important part is that you've got the platform in place, you understand the utterances, you have a core set of understanding about what the conversational response is. That response then, therefore, just needs to be version for a voice experience rather than a text experience, which means that, you know, my recommendation would always be to do text first. Uh, and then once text is done, you then take your learnings, uh, the 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 um, uh, all of the data sets that you have, the utterances, all that heavy lifting that's been done to ensure that the NLP engine is working well in text can now be evolved or expanded into the voice solutions. And I want to let all the listeners know that that whole process that you've just described in terms of how to develop a chatbot within an organization, you've actually laid out on a HealthBot canvas for us that's available on the website and in the show notes for this episode. So you can scroll down in your podcast player, find the link, and you can download the PDF. The one that I'm looking at, and I'm not sure if this is the latest version that we'll put on the website, but it's got about 12 different steps. But it's it's starting off with the, the first 
item, the first task is to define the problem to solve, which is always a great place to start. Is there anything else you want to add about this process that you suggest people follow when they're thinking about deploying a, a health bot in their organizations? So, so yes, I mean, I think that the key part about a canvas, like all canvas, is just to kind of help uh, customers or, or, or clients understand that it's not something that's, uh, the, you know, everything, it's complex, but if broken down into manageable steps, it's really literally quite uh, uh, quite obvious that these are the things that you need to do as you want to go from start to, to launch of a bot. I think key is that, you know, as you go from step 12 or one to 12 and you actually launch bots into market, this is not a one year kind of journey. This is literally something that can be done from the time you actually have MSAs in, in place. Uh, you can actually get a, a fairly significant, robust bot out in kind of like the four to six month. I mean, we're launching enterprise-wide bots that cover, you know, north of 30 brands across text and voice. That can be done in kind of like an eight-month journey. So it's all doable. Uh, timelines are not uh, not overwhelming. So no one should look at this as being, yeah, it's complex technology. But getting to the the benefits of that are not overwhelming. Yeah. And I want to make sure I ask you about cost because I'm sure that a lot of people who are listening to this are thinking, well, what does it cost to do that? It's going to take four, six, eight months to deliver this. Then they want to know, well, what do I need to invest? And I do want people to walk away from this conversation with an idea of what they should set aside. But I think another part of that conversation that people need to think about is, what does it cost my organization to not have this solution, this type of solution in place? What are the costs in terms of human resources and other capabilities and, and user experiences that we're compromising on or sacrificing while we don't invest or don't have this sort of solution in place? So with that sort of context, what would you say to people about how they could uh, set aside the appropriate amount of, of budget and expectations about getting the ROI on that investment? So I think we were talked a little bit earlier about the difference between an open text bot versus a, a button-driven experience. I would conceptually say that, you know, you should be able to launch a button-driven marketing type bot for somewhere in the, you know, seventy-five dollars to $100,000 zone because it's going to be contained in terms of the number of conversations and, uh, you know, the, the work that the, behind actually getting that up versus an open text bot, which, as we talked about earlier, needs to respond to, you know, you know, vast number of utterances with hundreds of actual conversational experiences developed. So in that case, as you move into that uh, really robust uh, open text experience, you're looking more in the kind of the, you know, the $250,000 zone to get that project up and going. And then if you start to look into these enterprise solutions that cover, you know, uh, you know, 30 plus brands, for example, text and voice, you know, obviously looking into multi-million dollar initiatives. I think the key thing in almost all of these cases is that the investment that you put into it in creating these conversations ultimately gets shared across the entire enterprise. The, uh, the second I think, part of your question was really about what's the cost if you don't do it? Well, I think that is so inherent and right in front of us now in this COVID environment, because right now we don't have Salesforce out there, right? We don't have physicians out as our channel. And so the cost of not filling that void is going to be dramatic. And so if you think about the cost of, you know, uh, uh, per sales rep or per MSL or per nurse educator, those are significant costs. 
And a bot inherently can handle the workload of infinite numbers of sales reps and MSLs and, uh, and nurse educators, et cetera, et cetera. And at the same time, it's also driving increased engagement on all of your revenue generating uh, properties that are digital. So, you know, having now worked on, you know, in excess of 80 pharma brands uh, with over 15, 16 now pharma companies that we work with, cost has never been an issue. And none of these projects don't show a very clear road to to a very fast ROI on that investment. It's just due to the scaling capability of conversational solutions. So, John, how can people who are listening find out more about your work and perhaps connect with you directly? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple easy ways to get a hold of me, of course, uh, you know, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn. So just do a search under Dr. John Reeves, uh, reach out to get connected uh, and happily to to get involved and, and, and chat and discuss and brainstorm around conversational AI in general. If you want to get a hold of me for business purposes, I'm at Dr. John at conversationhealth.com. So that is D-R-J-O-H-N at conversationhealth.com. I do encourage any listeners who are interested to get in touch with you directly. The email will not be in the show notes, but the LinkedIn profile will be. But uh, please do feel free to get in touch with Dr. John Reeves directly on that email that he just gave there. John, thanks again for joining me on the program. Wish you a lot of success. And please do uh, let us know if we can do anything for you from the network. Once again, thanks so much for having me on and and look forward to seeing you on the other side of this COVID, uh, hopefully over at a nice conference uh, shortly. And that wraps up our conversation with Dr. John Reeves, CEO and founder of Conversation Health. We made a list of all the links and the PDF we discussed, so be sure to grab them in the show notes of this episode. You can also find them on our website at digitalhealthtoday.com slash podcast. And don't forget, you can also find this podcast as well as hundreds of great episodes by trusted podcasters on healthpodcastnetwork.com. But no matter where you find us, be sure to subscribe to both the podcast and the newsletter to be kept up to date on the latest episodes, news, and announcements. This has been another episode of Digital Health Today, a production of Mission-Based Media. Music and audio engineering for this episode was by Ivan Urich. I'm Dan Kendall, and I've been your host. Thanks so much for tuning in, and until next time, keep on innovating.